Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. It is a post- regular season if we call it that pre-bowl game kind of almost off season because everyone's kind of overlooking the bowl game because we're still kind of hurt kind of episode but we're here right we're it's brian pellerin john marchant ben meyerson and we got a special guest this time jordan silversmith here with us he uh he's kind of the reason we're doing this this uh podcast episode the way we're doing it it's going to be a mailbag episode you guys sent in questions to jordan uh he answered a bunch of them in an article on tomahawknation.com and uh, we kind of liked it and figured let's expound on it. Let's let's have some deeper conversations about it. So uh, before we dive in there, Jordan, since you're the new guy, I'll, I'll give you the floor, let you intro yourself and uh, just say hello to the people. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Um, like you said, so I've been a beat reporter with Tomahawk Nation for the season this year. So going to all the practices, all the press conferences, sitting in the press box. So I feel I've got a, as good of a pulse on this team as any. And uh, I'm excited to get started and kind of talk about what the people want an interest in. Yeah, and you were out there today uh, at the facility. Anything of note from uh, – this is Sunday, by the way, December 10th, in case you really need to know the exact date on it. But uh, anything out there today that was of interesting note of anything going in and out? Yeah, absolutely. So another uh, big recruiting weekend in the books for the Knowles. Um, we talked to a few of the commits that were there. Uh, obviously, Jeremiah Smith was in town. was kind of the big fish I was hoping to talk to. Uh, we got to talk to him a little bit on uh, on Thursday after his big state title win, but he didn't speak to the media today. Nothing new on that front. We also spoke to uh, Denaz White, who's probably the biggest uh, uncommitted target on the Florida State roster right now. He's a defensive tackle. He put Florida State in, in his top three. He said Miami and Tennessee are also kind of with them in that mix. Uh, doesn't plan to take any other visits, so we'll kind of see what happens there. He says he's going to come in on December 20th, so I want to keep an eye on. Yeah, a lot of going on, lots to keep an eye on heading into the, uh, the offseason here, and we'll just, you know, see how things work out. Well, uh, go ahead and jump from there to the questions. You know, I, I think it kind of covers a wide range of stuff, and and a lot of it is obviously the questions you sent in. So it's it's what you want to know. Uh, John, you're the resident old guy, and I boxed you out after after last week's uh, tears and sadness. So we'll go from the old, the new guy to the old guy. So, John, the question I'm going to toss to you, and we can all just kind of mix around with it, is: Do you think being left out of the playoff will affect Florida State's recruiting or their ability to work the transfer portal? while simultaneously keeping the players in. So any concern with Florida State being left out of the playoff, impacting their ability to go kind of manage this roster? I think I think opponents are going to try to use it. I'll start there, obviously. Rivals for sure. Uh, Florida will use it the most, right? A lot of the other players in Miami, uh, I mean, a lot of the other teams in the ACC in Miami, it, it, it kind of it doesn't how much does it hurt really right because you're in the same conference you can't say oh don't go to Florida State you'll go 13 0 get left out of the playoff while Miami's you know they're not doing anything right so I think the only the only team that could really really use that to hurt you is maybe Georgia because they're they're regionally there and then and then UF and uh, UF just had another losing season they have a slaughterhouse of a schedule next year you know uh, Napier's looking at maybe getting fired so 
are they going to use it? Yes. How much is it going to hurt you? I don't think it, I don't think it hurts you that much. I just don't. And you, you also add in the fact that Norvell in the portal, right? He he's you know kind of been the top dog there for a couple of years now. So I just I think the impact will be minimal. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I would I would agree probably there. I think one thing, and and Ben, you've kind of touched on this before too. It's like the way the program is building. I could see a lot of the guys who are already committed kind of being upset with it right like like they're kind of feeling the pain the same way anyone on the roster already would definitely yeah I, th I think you know for certain situations there'll be extra motivation to come to FSU because of what happened um and, and then I think kind of like how John laid out there are specific instances with other schools that you could say they could take advantage of it but in reality it's it, it's up to the kids um and I, I do think it, it'll be a situation where There'll, there'll be those small handful of kids who that might th be their tiebreaker, right? You know, if they're really, really close and they can't make that decision, maybe that makes them lean one way or the other. But then again, as you kind of alluded to, Brian, and I started out with, it, it can also go the other way. So I, I think all in all, it's going to balance out. Um, and, you know, even with all the whole Patrick Payton situation where he tweeted out, he said he was going to enter the transfer portal. He then then deleted that tweet, but left a tweet up where he retweeted that someone said he was entering the portal, which, gosh, I, I just love talking about recruiting and transfers <laughs> in that way. But it's important to show that, you know, that's one where it, the, the, the sticking point seems to be for him money. So I, I think in general, like, no, it doesn't necessarily affect it in that great of a way, but there will be some specific examples where you know, maybe kids feel a certain way, but then again, you already kind of feel like in those situations, well, maybe this kid just wants to use this as the excuse for him to, to make that final decision. So I, I look at it that way. Jordan, I, the question was posed to you and, and you've got your answer here. What, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of adding on to what Ben said, you know, at the beginning of the week, I didn't think it would matter. And then we saw the whole Patrick Payton situation again, it kind of sounded like he just wanted the bag. You know, yesterday on his Instagram story, he said, I'm a Seminole. So they're just trying to go through stuff there. Um, I think with recruiting, you know, recruits do a lot of – do a good job a lot of the time of not looking at just one season, but looking at the program as a whole. And I still think even if Florida State didn't get in, you could see the progress that was made. You could see how much bigger, stronger, faster, athletically more imposing they looked, the way they were able to finish games. Um, you know, a big thing is obviously coaching staff stability, you know. Fuller just got that extension, which is a big deal. You know, Duke had their hire that wasn't Alex Atkins. Tulane had their hire that also wasn't Alex Atkins. So you already know you're going to have recruiting staff stability there too. And a lot of the time, the recruits, the recruiting and transfer portal stuff comes down to NIL, and you've seen the commitment from Battles End, you know, the 900 or so new members. And so in my opinion, I, I don't think that it matters so much not getting into uh, the playoff. The biggest thing to me, again, is just – negative publicity on the school and I hate seeing that you know we had the whole Travis Hunter thing a couple years ago and almost gives me flashbacks of that we have the Jacksonville State thing a couple of you know recruiting Phillips Keldrick Falk last year comes to mind so I hate the poor image that it poses on the school but as far as recruiting a transfer portal I would be surprised we've had a massive impact I think a lot of it in, in college football nowadays is kind of become branding and and marketing to an extent and obviously as a they uh, day job marketer I, I feel like obviously that's that's probably the lens of course I'm looking at it through but uh, you know I watched just last night right the Heisman Trophy ceremony you see Jaden Daniels the LSU quarterback win that um, and, and a lot of people on Twitter are saying well that's a guy who hasn't had a, mo a meaningful moment a guy who hasn't played an important game since October um, 
but I think most of that is marketing and the LSU program pushing out the messaging and getting it in front of as many people as they did. And I think a play off of that, I think that's where Florida State kind of needs to kind of do a lot of the same things in in what your program's brand is, what you're building off of, and and kind of how you're going forward from there. You know, what what is what is the message to the players, the recruits, the transfers? And I think there is always something to be said in in it feels weird to say this, but the underdog, uh, uh, the you know, the 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 team, kind of like you mentioned, that, that was burned by Travis Hunter and is uh, burned by the college football playoff committee. It just seems like, uh, you know, there's there's a chip on the shoulder that just seems to keep getting more chips added to it. Ben, you were nodding along there. I assume you're on the same page. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, as we're thinking about this more and especially hearing Jordan talk about it, um, it, it does – come to mind that, hey, this has reinvigorated the fan base and allowed them to put their money back into this program and really get motivated in a way that, you know, this is already one of the most motivated fan bases in the country and you just dumped a a gallon of kerosene on the fire. Um, So, you know, I I think in the end, it, it actually becomes a net positive for FSU in the sense that, you know, they'll be able to really take that money from the battle's end, from boosters, everything that they've been raising and everything and the response of this team um, and be able to pour it back into the team and and make this situation even better. So I think in the end, it it is going to be a net positive for FSU. Yeah, it's like the currency of of college football. Obviously, it's money, right? I mean, you mentioned what Patrick Payton is kind of doing with this seemingly public negotiation for more money. Uh, But I mean, it's also attention, right? Attention is the currency with young people and Florida State certainly getting attention. John, ag- agree, disagree on, on the ability to kind of spin this, I don't want to say into a win, but but in into a, a bit of a motivating factor, a, a driving point for the program? I mean, of course they will. I, you know, what Norvell's about is motivating young players, young men, and, and getting them, you know, to, hey, look, look how he changed the culture, right? So I, I don't have any issues with Norvell or, or he, that he's going to use this to his advantage. I have Florida State. I think they'll be back contending within, you know, very shortly. I move on to the next question. What does this mean for the ACC? If the committee snubbed FSU this year for an SEC team, and for that matter, a Big 12 team, but I guess soon to be an SEC team in Texas, why would FSU, Clemson, or North Carolina, teams that, you know, you assume have chances in this upcoming 12-team playoff, stay in the ACC when the committee has made it clear that an SEC team will be chosen over an ACC school. So why stay? Uh, Jordan, why stay? Yeah, absolutely. And they should not stay, you know, just to be blunt about and to be honest about it. Um, I think now the ACC has to be a dead conference walking. You know, we never thought that we could see such a sudden change to the power five conferences, but obviously we saw with the, uh, disformation of the Pac-12 that could certainly happen and kind of like what I wrote about I think the ACC is now a dead conference walking now the one issue is that Florida State will find getting out of the grant of rights is going to be incredibly challenging if they already could have found a way to get out of it find a loophole then they would have already left you know it's not going to be a matter of raising the money we already know that Michael Alford has talked to private equity firms that although 120 million dollars sounds like a ton of money it's Florida State they could do it the problem is the grant of rights itself is a very short document. So like I said, there aren't a lot of loopholes in there. So they're going to be kind of stuck. Now, to get out of the grant of rights and kind of have the um, grant of rights come apart, you need a three-fourths vote by all the conferences. Well, unfortunately, the ACC is adding in three more schools now 
at the next at the start of the next um, you know athletic year. The ACC intentionally did that to backlog it so that you know the big schools would have a harder time getting out. So maybe four to five years down the line, and Florida State gets more and more negotiating leverage. Uh, you know, they could find a way out of the grant of rights, but in the near future, I think they're going to have a really hard time getting out of it. Are you, Ben, are you, uh, you surprised to hear that you think it might be a little longer? Or are you, I know you were kind of in on these Big Ten rumors this week. <laughs> no, I just like having fun on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't, right? Uh, that's what Twitter's for. Um, no, I, I, you know, I think Jordan made a lot of excellent points there. Um, I mean, he covered it very well. The ACC is dead, was dying, and then the nail in the coffin was that's that Sunday, uh, December third. So, uh, you know, it's it is a tough situation where they're probably not going to be able to get out of the grant of rights. Um, I, I, you know the one positive I think you can take away from this situation, at least moving forward and how it's going to affect FSU is with the new 12 team playoff format, the conference champions do receive the automatic bid, right? So, you know, even though there is the, the, all the downsides of the ACC and we're very familiar with it, um, the, there is that bonus where, you know, if you're going to the big 10 or, 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 or a conference like that, Yes, you can position yourself a lot better to be ranked higher towards the end of the season, even if you lose a game or two. But, you know, if you stick in the ACC and you win it, you get that automatic bid. So I don't think it's totally a disaster, although, you know, we're very, very aware of the downsides of it. Um, so I, I, I do think that is one positive, but generally, yeah, I think Jordan hit the nail on the head. The ACC is dead, has been dead. Uh, it's not a good football conference anymore. And it's just a shitty situation for FSU. I don't know how else to say it. I, I, I do think, um, one thing that I've thought about more as we've seen all this kind of transpiring with the ACC is what if FSU decides to go independent? You know, I, I, I think, the Big Ten is seems like the, the best or most realistic option right now, but obviously regionally that's tough, right? So I, I, I've definitely thought of different ways where FSU can still, you know, have their regionality, be able to play schools like Florida, Miami, Clemson. You know, if they're independent, they can go and play the Auburns, the Alabamas, the schools in that region, um, and then be able to get the pick their pick of the litter with the brand they are. So that was a thought I had, but in general, yeah. ACC is dead, down with the ACC. I'm going to spin this in a different direction in a second, but John, I wanted to give you a chance to to respond first. Yeah, I think um, Jordan and Ben kind of captured pretty much everything. I'd maybe just add that the, you know, grant of rights, right, expires 2036. I was thinking the timeline more about 2030 of getting out. I think what this will do is uh, hasten that, Florida State getting out any way that they can. So I think that means that the ACC will die a little bit faster. Whether that means... I mean, at that point, it's not Florida State's problem. Uh, I'm I'm pretty upset at the ACC as a whole and the commissioner, Phillips, for not, you know, kind of standing up for Florida State. I think we got the weakest statement ever from the commissioner, Phillips. And then that, that was it. We heard nothing else. Didn't really hear any other coaches in the ACC's kind of stand up. Um, Dabo had one statement, but no one really, you know, kind of said, hey, this is this is bullshit. You know, we you know, we should. This is ridiculous kind of thing. Um, so. I do think it will hasten the end, right? Whether whether they end up merging with whatever the Big 12 is left with. Um, but pretty much if you're not in the power two, you get left out. So I, I don't think it'll be 2030 by the time Florida State gets out. I'm thinking they're announcing they're out within the next year. Um, some people obviously, like I said, there's rumors on Twitter. They think FSU will be out 
be, be uh, announcing by January, right? They'll be in the Big Ten by 2025, right? It's obviously too late for 2024. So we'll see if this is the last year for Florida State and the ACC. But I, I think they're, I think that was it. I think it finally woke some people up, and they're <clears throat> they're ready to be out. So I, I enjoyed the uh, the point that I think I think it was Ben who made on. Uh the the rumors of getting out right and and that could be coming sooner than before we had the same conversation back in august right that that this was coming around it's coming it's coming it's coming friday happened and then nothing kind of came with it um so we've been down this path before and wouldn't be surprised if this one much like that one kind of came and went the one part of this i i do think is interesting and where i kind of want to spin this off to is is there is no secret that florida state is trying to leave and it certainly feels like through the lack of statements from around the conference nobody's really going to be too sad about it in the acc they seem to pick kind of almost you kind of read into it and, and feel like they were kind of like yeah good yeah okay great congratulations idiots you guys were driving us crazy for the last year talking about how we're garbage well there you go we're garbage enjoy it um Obviously, they're trying to get out. I've seen this shift the conversation around conferences from the SEC as the preferred conference to the Big Ten as the preferred conference. I want to kind of spin this back around the circle real quick. We've previously talked about this back in August when this conversation was had the first time. John, do you have a preference? Do you feel... SEC spurred, spurned, burnt. There's a word there that I don't have, but I'm supposed to be a writer by trade. No, i I don't think what I don't think what happened was personal or anything with the SEC. I think it's just they controlled the sport, right? In conjunction with ESPN, uh, Greg Sankey, their their commissioner, kind of just engineered all this. I thought it was gross for ESPN to put him on the the last day of the conference championship games on college game day or whatever it was. They were at his championship. Well, yeah, still. I, was, I thought it was all gross. Um, I, I just let's see how would I phrase this. I think I don't think it was personal. I don't have an issue if Florida State goes to the ACC. I knew we were having discussion in the group chat on Tomahawk Nation, and some of us disagreed on on what would be the best fit for Florida State culture or whatever. I, for me personally, I don't care. I just want a seat at the table. Florida State should get one. They deserve that. They're, you know, that kind of premier, almost blue blood type program. Uh, and so I don't have any reservations about them being in at some point. It's just every year you're not in there, it hurts you, you know, substantially. And that that's, a, you know, as Alfred said, it's a compounding factor. Um, But I don't have anything personal against the SEC, so to speak. My issue is more with ESPN. And that's fair. They do control the TV rights with ESPN. So it, it is kind of hand in hand. I, I could see where that leads that Ben, what about you? Yeah, I definitely want to kick off on that last part too, with the ESPN relationship with the SEC. I mean, we, we've seen how that has controlled the sport. Um, it led to the death of the PAC 12. Um, it, it really shifted everything. The decisions that ESPN has been making the, in the behind the scenes um, things that have been going on, it feels very political. <laughs> um, what, what's been happening in college football. So I, I, you know, in terms of a preference for a conference, I, I, I'm along the line, same lines of John, you know, what you want is a seat at the table. And if the big 10 is giving you a better deal, or you feel that it is a better situation for your school moving forward, then I, you know, 
I think regionality should be the tiebreaker if it's close, but if they're getting offers from both the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big Ten is is coming in swinging, um, then I think you have to make that jump. So, you know, I can I can really understand, though, how, you know, if it, even if it was close, if FSU did prefer the Big Ten just because of that ESPN relationship and that that road that's been kind of burned um, over these last 10 years and where we're sitting at now with the Sunday decision. So um, it'll be interesting, you know, cause I'm sure we'll learn a lot about that as this all goes down and, and we'll hear different rumors. And I, I think more than anything, not with seeing FSU be completely silent since everything has happened. Um, clearly at some point, they're going to have to start acknowledging these things and be talking about it. And if there is realignment, they'll speak more openly about it. So I'll be more curious to see what they have to say then. Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with what both of you guys said. Uh, and kind of Brian, to your earlier point, Florida state lost the narrative on going to the playoff because they were part of the ACC. I mean, Greg Sankey, like John said, totally used his bully bullpit to uh, control the narrative and Florida state didn't kind of have a direction and a, a way to go about it. And that's why they were eventually left out of the playoffs. So if it was up to me, I'd want to be in the SEC. It seems like they kind of have uh, college football, you know, kind of on a stranglehold, you know, got them around the neck. And so that makes a lot more sense. Certainly regionally, they fit well in there. Uh, it probably helps with recruiting in the long run, being in a similar area to the SEC schools. But yeah, the SEC, although the Big Ten has a bigger media deal, you know, down the line, it's, the SEC is what runs the sport. And we figured that out uh, this past weekend. And it's the reason why Florida State was left out. It's the reason why Florida State needs to leave the ACC. And so... If it was up to me, I would certainly want to join uh, the SEC. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you because I, all the big brands are in – well, I won't say all the big brands, but a majority of the big brands are in the SEC. And this conference has basically run the sport for 20 years. I mean, you think about all the championships they've won over the last 20 years, the, the Heisman trophies, the it goes through them. And I understand the point of the the Big Ten, their TV deal is better. They're, I think it's $10 million more a year per school, I think it is. Um, so you could get more money there and you do add more to the Big Ten because you are a different uh, state that, that adds to the TV deal more than for the SEC. They already have Florida, so technically it's really not a big boost to their TV deal. Um, but the one thing the SEC has with ESPN that you don't have from the other CBS slash Fox deal that Big Ten has is you can control more daytime television through ESPN. You're not going to get that on CBS and Fox and and that like perpetual conversation. There is no, no one's watching CBS sports network. No offense if you're one of those, you know, but like no one's watching FS one to, to drive those narratives. It's it's ESPN is, is the synonymous with driving that. So if you are making headlines and you are the team playing in those games, you can get the extra bump, which is an argument. You're already an ESPN product. Um, <laughs> It's just a little bit harder to sell Florida State versus Wake Forest than it is Florida State versus Alabama, Florida State versus Georgia, Florida State versus LSU. You know, those sorts of things are a little easier to sell. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to note that Brian is a graduate of an SEC school and That's LSU right. specifically. Um, right. I, I, I think that should be noted after what you just said. Um I mean, not it's say, not wrong. Not to say it isn't true, you know, um, but that definitely there there is that that to keep in mind but no I, I i do think you're right like sec has controlled the sport espn has controlled the sport um and you are getting those eyeballs that you're not going to get otherwise there there is that bump from the sec um and unfortunately as much as i hate to admit it for some reason it means more 
It does mean more. Well, the one thing too, I'd, I'd say, and, and John, I'll kick it your way after this too, is when you look at the, the ability to go to games, the ability for your fan base to be there and, and turn a stadium, you know, a little bit more into a home game, you have a much better opportunity than, than Florida state at Minnesota or Florida state at Nebraska or, you know, if you're a fan, do you want to be spending your Saturday, your Friday through Saturday in Lincoln? You know, do you want to be in, in, it's not Ames. What is it? What's, was it? Iowa's in what? It's Des Moines. Yeah. Des Moines. Thank you. There is like, what's the big city. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I think, I think there's more there. I, I just, it feels like the big 10 is a collection of teams just kind of all over the country and just trying to make it work. That almost has to form into some kind of sub conference, which like, so you have Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA, and then you also have potential. If you were to add Florida State and potentially Miami and UNC and Clemson, it's like you've got basically the Northeast region, the Midwest region, the West region, and the Southeast region. It, it just kind of is. It's a weird fit. I don't know how that conference keeps moving like it does. John, any thoughts there? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know how to say this. Like. I agree with all of you guys. We're all saying, you know, the SEC and we live in the power two era, right? So you have the SEC and the Big Ten. And I agree with all you guys and everything you guys have said about the SEC. I do think they wield even more power between the two conferences, right? Uh, And I, all things being equal, I'd love for Florida State to join the SEC. I'd have no problem with that. But all of realignment and all this whole thing and everything that to get to this point has all been driven by money. And ESPN, like, Brian pointed out is a Florida State, uh, Florida State's an ESPN product, and they're getting Florida State and Clemson and North Carolina for pennies on the dollar, pretty much, and they have no incentive to to do anything about that, even though they know Florida State's pissed off. Uh, so I do think someone had pointed out had a good point that uh, it's a pretty big opportunity for the Big Ten here. You know, Florida State's pissed off, right? At that, they're at ESPN. And you could throw money at that and take a big kind of valuable product away from from ESPN, you know, to to another uh, provider that would value it more, I think. So it's weird because I agree with you guys. I think it may end up being the Big Ten just because that's where the money kind of, you know, it just seems to fit, Um, especially if Florida State is going to try to get out within the next year or two instead of waiting till 2030 or, or anywhere like that. So. I agree with you guys, though, that, that just traveling up there all the time would kind of suck. At the same time, though, their offenses in the Big Ten are trash, and I would love to boat race every single one of them. You cannot tell me Florida State would not destroy Iowa by three touchdowns. I don't care about their corn-fed defense. <laughs> They'd annihilate them, just like that one uh, – uh, bowl games against Wisconsin and and they they beat Penn State who were there you know they were supposed to lose way back I'm dating myself here in like 2003 or whatever Jeez. stupid year that was like they would annihilate the Big Ten except for Ohio State Michigan so that would be fun Jordan when were you born uh, 2003 there you go Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> I was like please be 03 please be 03 or 04 please 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 Oh, damn it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think <laughs> none of it obviously ultimately makes makes any much, much of difference what we say, obviously. But it, it is it is interesting to see. It is, too. You you will eventually, whenever the time comes, have to make the jump to two. And it was interesting to see the court of public opinion kind of sway a little bit with, with the feeling that the SEC spurned you. I, I still stand that Texas is the more egregious inclusion. 
and they only get in because of the Bama win, the head-to-head Bama win. I, I think you are uh, unequivocally a better team than Texas, and I think there's a fair argument to be had whether or not if you quote play best team, whether or not Bama is. But no matter what, you still belong. It, no matter how you split the semantics, it, it came down kind of unfairly, and I think Texas is the one that probably is more unfair. Ben, you you wanted to jump me there. Well, I just wanted to note, you know, that moving forward, if you look at the four teams that were included, they are Big Ten and SEC teams next year, right? right. So it's four of those teams. Um, it, it just kind of is what it is. And I mean, even looking at Big Ten realignment starting next year, you know, with Oregon, USC, UCLA, Washington, that it, it just is an awkward fit. I think there's no way to get around that. Um, and the SEC naturally does it just makes more sense regionally, but it, I, I think this is a situation where it really is, you know, how far has this bridge been burned? How, how, how far bad has this ESPN relationship gone that it's going to motivate them to make a jump to a conference that is just a completely unnatural fit. Um, but then again, I love what John was saying. It'd be a lot of fun to see these high powered Mike Norville offenses going up against the big 10 every single year. And you know what, with the schools that are going to be in there start starting next year, you know, games against Lincoln Riley games in Oregon, Washington, you know, those are, fun, fun matchups. And I think you could get a good amount of Florida State fans at some of those um, games. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out. We move on to the next question. And Ben, I haven't given you a chance to go first. So I'll let this one come right back to you. Should Mike Norvell go after any transfer portal QBs? And if so, who? Obviously, we all got to look there at the end of the season with Tate. And then again with Brock. What's your perspective on it? Do you need to add to the room? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's not just because of the difference between Tate Rodemaker and what a DJU or a Cam Ward would look like. It, it's because of the guys you could bring in because you get one of those big name quarterbacks, right? You would really entice some big time receiver transfers, um, some running backs, some tight ends, offensive linemen. I, I, I think that to me, you know, beyond the obvious improvement is a huge benefit of getting in one of those guys. We saw last season with how Jordan ended the year, how that enticed so many of these guys to come to Florida State. Like, do we think Keon Coleman is a seminal if it's Tate Rodemaker instead of Jordan Travis? I don't think so. Same thing with Jaheim Bell. Um, a lot of the players who have come in recently now, maybe not your Trey Benson's and Johnny Wilson's because that was a few years ago. But if you look at this last round of players, um, who came in and the guys who decided to stay as well, like your Jared versus, um, and a lot of those defensive players who could have jumped to the draft that didn't stay because they knew they would have a shot. So I think more than anything beyond the improvement of the position, the improvement of your team. Um, with an addition like that, that cannot be overlooked in this conversation. Jordan, what are you thinking? Yeah, Ben, I completely agree with you, although in a bit of a different way, you know, kind of ending on the season, uh, you know, hopefully going to the playoff. I was kind of okay with a nine and three year next year, you know, kind of give the ball over the defense, kind of bringing those new young players with this great recruiting class. And now after being left out, I think Florida State kind of has to go for it next year. And they kind of, can't afford maybe a rebuilding year or a gap year. And truthfully, you know, Tate and Brock, you could tell that they weren't ready for the moment. They held on to the ball too long. Sometimes the moment even looked big to them. I mean, even Tate in the swamp, it, he almost looked scared. I mean, Brock the same way against Louisville at times. So 
Certainly, I think bringing Cam Ward, DJU, does a lot for your program. And with their schedule next year, you know, Duke having all those guys leaving, SMU joining the conference who they face, Georgia Tech. Like, I mean, there are wins to be picked up on the schedule. So I think with a really good signal caller under center, that has a lot of value. Um, and at the same time, too, it seems like there's enough money in the collective to go out and get one of these big names. Now, as far as fit, who's kind of the best guy I like to see? Certainly Cam Ward, I think, is the consensus around the country as the best guy. But it sounds like DJ DJU is the most rumored with Florida State, so we'll kind of talk about him a little bit. Uh, he's been really intriguing fit, you know, in his dual threat ability, his ability to push the ball down the field. And I think he's almost perfect for Mike Norvell because he comes into the system with all the tools, but he might not have all the decision-making figured out. You know, he's always kind of prone to that one big mistake, that one big interception. And Mike Norvell has done a great job with Jordan Travis over his career you know, with ball security and picking his right reads. And we saw that with Tate and we saw that with Brock. And so I know a lot of fans are kind of worried about seeing DJ because, oh, they see how kind of reckless he can be at times. But I think Mike Norvell is kind of the perfect coach to say, hey, like, tuck the ball down. Hey, throw the ball away. And he's been able to do that before these other quarterbacks. And so I think it would work out well here. John, I know you love DJU. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Jordan's points were fantastic. I um I I don't really care whether it's Cam Ward from Wazoo or or DJ from formerly Clemson and, and Oregon State. I um I don't know. I it's weird because I thought after the Florida game, like yeah, you know, you give Tate and Brock Glenn a chance to f- kind of battle it out next year and see who does it. But I think Jordan's points were were really good too. Where yeah, I don't. I'm honestly now not really against them bringing somebody in. Uh, I still think 25, 26 is where you're going to maybe have a contender again, but I don't hate Norvell kind of just trying to reload this thing and go after it. Right. Um, So I don't really have a preference. I do think DJ is pretty great in short yardage situations running the football. Uh, He's pretty big guy, almost like Jalen hurts. So, you know, Cam Ward obviously, you know, throws the ball a lot. You got Hakeem coming back, right. Hopefully, uh, and a couple other guys, uh, Deucepan, and a few other guys. You you know you might bring someone else in too. So I don't know, man. I it's weird because I think it'll tell us a lot about how Norvell sees the team and signaling like what he wants to do in the future, right? And with Tate, he did hold on to the ball too long, right? He, I don't think he was bad, but he didn't play like you would expect the fourth year junior to play, even though he you know hasn't gotten a lot of snaps this season. And Brock Glenn is obviously not ready, so. I don't think it's the worst idea to kind of bring in a bridge guy. Uh, if if Florida State ends up not getting either, I think you're okay. Uh, but I do think getting that kind of signals and sends that message, right, is what you, him and um, Ben were talking about, kind of sends a message that, hey, you know, Florida State's not going anywhere. We're going to fight for the ACC title again next year. And next year, right in the playoff, uh, it will be an auto bid. So, I, you know, I don't have to burn everything down next year. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting because the portal is so different than how you've done it the last few years, right? It, it, it's it's almost everybody's in the portal. I mean, I'm looking down the list of transfer portal quarterbacks for this year, and I mean, I can get down to like quarterback 25, quarterback 30 on this on on three list, and it's guys who have started that you know that I know as as starters. And Nate Johnson, the quarterback who started a bunch at Utah, for is number 40 on this list, like. It's a lot of guys, and I do think you have to add somebody. To John's point, if you do miss on Cam Ward, if you do miss on uh, DJ, I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, looking at the, the the listings here, everyone seems to be picking DJ to Louisville. 
um, as as the potential next stop there. I, I don't I, I don't know. Uh, Cam Ward is a great football player, and, and he's gotten progressively better through his time, and and it looked really good at times this year for Washington State, and had a few games where he didn't look as good this year. Uh, another name on here, and I don't know if he has any ties at all, but uh, Jordan McLeod, a quarterback from JMU, a Tampa guy uh, from Plant, pretty good. Uh, he was good for them this year. He can run. He can throw. I don't think he's a guy who comes in and like is like Jordan is contending for Heisman's, but he's certainly someone I think can make it better. Um, and then quickly, quick, everyone around the table, everyone's thoughts real quickly. One word, Jorah, Tyler Van Dyke, thoughts? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I just... <laughs> You know how I feel about that? Like, yeah, no. there's the word exactly. That was pretty much what I expected. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would do it. I would do it. Sorry, don't want to be that guy. I would do it. I think it could be good, you know, and you know, be you know, ready to go in that game against Miami. So I, I would be okay with it. I just have the perfect, perfect for him would be SMU. They're joining the ACC. You know, obviously he's from Dallas, so that would make most sense to me. But I'm not afraid. Yeah, I, I think when you look at it. You've all made the right points. You need to add to the quarterback room. You need to strengthen it. But this is going to be another example, and whether or not it ends up happening isn't like an indictment on how this works out, but it's another example of the the compressing finances of being in the ACC, right? If you're looking at buying your way out, extending Fuller, keeping Atkins, I'm presuming Norvell's getting a raise at some point in the coming weeks, months, days. That all costs money. To go get a quarterback, obviously it's NIL, and I'm sure there's 85,000 different maneuvering things, but if you get someone to give him an NIL deal, whoever it may be, that's fewer dollar, booster dollars that are coming into the program to do different things. You know, it's it's where that, again, another sign of where the conference dollars are going to keep making this harder. I don't think anyone in this portal to me stands out like, oh my God, you have to have him. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's probably the best of the group. He's already committed and going to Oregon, so that kind of is what it is. Uh, Riley Leonard was in and was immediately pretty much tied to Notre Dame and, and put himself on a do not contact list. I mean, there's really not anyone on here who I think is like empty the bank for him. Cam Ward's probably that guy. And if you get him, great. You know, and, and like Ben said, that probably amp- opens up the door to more people and, and allows you to kind of stockpile quicker. I just don't know what the next few years of college football looks like. I just don't know how you can go where like, you hit this off season and there's like 110 quarterbacks in the portal that started games. Like I, I just, how do you know what your roster looks like year to year? It's just, this has got to be exhausting to be a coach of this stuff. I mean, to run a program and, and keep that going. I'm, I'm sure it's nothing like you remembered in 2003, John. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, cause some people have argued, right. Or theorized that you're not going to see as many quote unquote dynasties, right? These teams have been good for 10 years. Cause whether it's your depth that leaves to go start and play someone else somewhere else, like Jermaine Johnson left Georgia, come to Florida State as a one-year player, you get a you know a big NIL bag, and then you go off to the league. I don't think that you know it's going to be harder for these teams to kind of maybe keep some of this talent, even though, like I said, Florida State, Georgia, uh, Michigan, almost uh, Alabama, obviously, you're you're peaking at what I, Jordan probably knows better than me, 80, 85, 90 percent blue chip players. They're not all going to stay. Some of them are going to want to play somewhere else. So. It's weird. I, I just I don't know what it's going to be either. Although I feel comfortable saying ninety percent of playoff spots are going to go to the power two. Um, I, you know, ACC is going to get one team in probably. And that's it. Yeah, I I, I think you know that, that's a very good point, John. I I I think the 
one thing that does stick out to me with with the with the quarterback issue is that if they don't bring in one of those quarterbacks, it is going to be a, a year where you step back. And with everything that's transpired, I, I just think you can't afford that right now. Um, I, I do think in general, though, just to piggyback on what John was saying about the portal moving forward and how many kids are in it and how it's bec- it's just going to increase more and more and more with more money flowing into the sport. Mike Norvell has shown an ability to navigate the portal as good as anyone. So I, I, I think, you know, that should give fans a lot of confidence, even though, you know, eventually what you kind of want to happen, well, not want, but what will happen if Florida State gets to where you want to go is that they'll be one of those schools where the depth is leaving and where they're losing guys and their blue chip percentage goes down a little bit. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Mike navigates it because these first three or four years have been really excellent by him. Uh, You know, he, he has come and turned around a program with the transfer portal in a way that no one else has. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think you have to give him a lot of credit, but it'll be interesting to see how he approaches these next few years. Yeah, and I wonder how much of an impact not making the playoff has on the plan, right? Like, you sat there on Saturday night flying back to Tallahassee probably thinking, all right, we're a year ahead of schedule. I mean, this was the year you kind of had to do it. But, you know, if we were talking about the schedule when he joined, you're you're a year ahead. You did it. You you went 13-0. You're in the playoff. And then you're like, oh, now I have to, like, reset like i we we didn't and i've got to kind of reset my plan and and kind of restart that process uh before i move on to the last question anything jordan I, we didn't get back to you on this one anything you wanted to add yeah just one quick thought just kind of what ben and john talked about a little bit the offense surrounding the quarterback next year is certainly going to be a big question mark you know obviously no trey no keon no johnny no dream so it's going to be really interesting to see who the players are that step up around them you know Destin Hill, even though he's, what, 20, 21 years old, is still a freshman, he'll be back. Hakeem Williams, you know, obviously we saw what Toa Feely can do, kind of in a lead role. We saw flashes from Morlock, but we're going to need to see who is going to be the guy in the big third and seven. And I don't think that they have it on the roster right now unless Hakeem takes that jump or Jeremiah Smith flips, he comes to Florida State. And kind of along those same lines, I don't know if you guys have an opinion about this either, is what they're going to do along the offensive line, you know, Mark Norvell at different times talked about Julian Armella and, and Jalen Early. And are those going to be your starting tackles next year? Or are they going to have to hit the portal again and find some other guys? And, you know, when we talk about NIL, it's kind of like free agency. And, well, if you spend, let's say, a million dollars on the quarterback, you know, we don't really know what these figures are. Then you can't spend as much money on a left tackle or a slot receiver. So that's kind of my other thing, too, to play devil's advocate is, well, if you roll, roll with Tate and you roll with Brock, then – you know, you could spend your money in a different place. Yeah, I certainly think so. And, and you know, looking – I am looking at the list of names here at receiver in the portal. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that really jumps out as guys that, that seem to be those kind of guys. Again, I mean, look, Johnny wasn't really thought of in, in like, oh, my God, this is a guy who comes in and changes your program. And and obviously, but he became a number one, really probably a number two, but but a serviceable one when, when he was your number one for the while and allowed you to get a key on guy. Um, so I'm sure you can do that and, and bring someone else into that capacity. But yeah, uh, I know, John, I know you were a fan of Armella this year and his limited snaps. Yeah, he uh, he kind of flashed off the tape, was pretty physical. I think some guys in Tommy Nation said that he uh, was a little out of control or something. Uh, maybe he plays with a lot of energy, but, you know, maybe you get like to Jordan's point, maybe you get one transfer offensive tackle, right? And then to put Armella on the other side. So they'll they'll figure it out. Um 
but it's a good point. You, you kind of got to get it, you know, the go-to guys type stuff. I think what they had Johnny for two years. So anytime you get someone out of the portal where you get them for more than just one year would be great too. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll see, like I said, if, if Hakeem does develop the way, cause he's a freak athlete, right. In the way that you think he's going to, maybe you only need one other guy. Right. And you have a couple of guys who can play the slot like span and things like that. So I, I you know, I don't, I don't think they're that far away, but you definitely have to, you know, kind of put the, the pieces of the puzzle together to fit. So you don't have any like enormous weaknesses, uh, that kind of thing. The other thing I wanted to point out too, with the, what the future of the sport looks like. Uh, I know, I just want to make sure we noted this. The news did come out. There was uh, somebody with the NCAA who had proposed a new split division of the FBS for the, the richest schools, essentially. And this has been coming for a really, really long time. I, I think it's worth talking about. I thought it'd be 20 years away. I don't know now anymore that it's going to be 20 years away. Um, but essentially what they're saying is in order to participate or to join this new subdivision uh, of, of the FBS, you have to pay all the players a certain amount and has to comply with title nine. Right. So if you're going to, you know, pay football players and basketball players, you have to pay two women's sports also. And, and, you know, I think it was one in the Tomic nation chat was kind of theorizing that could lead to a lot of schools dropping on uh, non-revenue men's sports, right? Like men's soccer, things like that. So the sport's going to change quite a bit, I think in the next 10 years, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see, but again, it's all driven by money. I think that's where it's going to go. Certainly money is driving this entire sport kind of everywhere. And uh, obviously viewership, a lot of, to do with that as well, which leads to the last question. How much stake should we put into the Orange Bowl result due to potential opt-outs, transfers, overall motivation after being left out of the playoff, and whether or not Georgia cares, whether or not you care, uh, in case you were curious, that game is Saturday, December 30th, 4 p.m., the Orange Bowl down in Miami. Uh, anyone interested in taking this one first? You've all gotten a shot at it. Ben's nodding. Ben, thank you for volunteering. Uh, your take on the Orange Bowl. I, I think my biggest take is that, yeah, I mean, like like what you're alluding to, the game really it doesn't matter in terms of consequence for the season. I think what matters is all the young developmental players and, and getting a, a check-in at where they're at, right? I, I think to me that's going to be the biggest thing. We're going to be looking at the future of this receiver room with Hakeem Williams and Jacobs um, and Deuce Span and, and all those guys. Uh, I mean, you know, even guys like Kyle Morlock, it'll be nice to see him and – potentially what this offense will look like next year. So, you know, I, I think between the the young players on the offensive line and the fact that you're going to be needing to replenish this defensive line um, in the interior on and on the edge, it, it'll, it'll be a good evaluation for um, the program to be able to, to see where those guys are at and then, you know, look forward and say, okay, you know, where do we need to to fit in the rest of the pieces with this team. Um, so no, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I'll be watching for evaluation purposes pretty strictly. Um, but anything beyond that is, is pretty meaningless. I mean, Georgia's in the same position. FSU is sort of, I mean, they lost a game, but you know, you're in the SEC, so everything means more there. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's a, that's a little dig at Brian. Uh <laughs> it'll be interesting to to see their approach to the game um, given the unique circumstances. Um, but again, uh, evaluation is the main thing that I'll be looking for. I think that makes sense, Jordan. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think kind of bent along those lines. To me, it's just it's a measuring stick game. You know, how do you face up against Georgia from a physical standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, from a coaching standpoint? Because at the end of the day, I mean, even if Georgia's not in the playoff, they are the top dogs. You know, what are they, 29 and one in their last 30 games or something like that? So to me, it's going to be interesting to see how Florida State just looks the part against them. Uh, as far as the game is concerned, certainly there's an evaluation portion of it. Certainly, hopefully, a couple guys flash. Uh, the big name that we're all kind of interested in talking about is Daryl Jackson. You know, obviously he wasn't out to play this year, but he'll be allowed to go uh, in the Orange Bowl. And let me tell you guys, for Florida State fans that haven't been following along to him or read the practice notes, he's a dude. He's a stud. He would have totally been in this rotation right along Fisk, right around Farmer, Fabo, and wouldn't have skipped a beat. I mean, this guy in practice, he's a game record. 6'3", 315, you know, can play the three, uh, three technique, can rush the pass, can stop the run. So I'm super duper excited to see him play. I think next year, a little rotation of him, Farmer, KJ Sampson, and that's going to be formidable. And, you know, that will be able to kind of lessen the blow of no Fabian Lovett and no Fisk. So I'm excited to see him. But as far as the game is concerned, not a lot. The one thing also I'm interested in, how much do Florida State fans travel down to Miami? It should be a Florida State home game. I was there seven years ago when they played Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Now it's 80, 20 Florida State fans. But already, uh, Feminal Athletics have sent out an email saying, like, oh, make sure you guys buy tickets. So it makes it sound like there isn't a ton of enthusiasm. So I'll be just interested to see what the pulse of the fan base is like uh, at the Orange Bowl. John, I assume this will be a spot where you'll see that blue chip percentage maybe kick in. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Georgia's what, like 90%? Florida State, I think it was around 40%. I think Ben's point here was good. I want to add on to that. I think uh, it really is like an exhibition, you know, evaluation, depth, kind of see what you have. But I don't expect Florida State to be as competitive as we'd like to see. I just don't think the program is there yet. I do have faith in Norvell to get there. Uh, but you got to get that the talent, the recruiting talent of high school and stuff, and that's coming. Um, this class looks to be pretty, pretty great. So, uh, But unfortunately, it's just not there yet. And again, I don't think – this is the thing is the original question is, do you put stake in the, the result of the Orange Bowl? Absolutely, I do not. Uh, this game means nothing. People are going to say, oh, look, Florida State lost to Georgia, probably by two or three touchdowns. They didn't deserve to be in, yada, yada, yada. Means nothing. Uh, that team will always be 13-0 to me forever. Um, but it is good. You, you do want the practices, the development. Uh, I guess, like Jordan said, really as a measuring stick to where you are now and where you want to be because you want to be where George is at right now. And, and that's the goal. So uh, it, it will be good for those players, especially the young kids, like the freshmen and sophomores on there. Cause this is going to be their team soon. And just to see, you know, Hey, this is where we need to be at. So um, I, I do think it's going to serve a purpose. It's valuable, just not for any kind of reflection on this particular 2023 team. If they win, are you going to change your mind? Oh, yeah. 14-0, everyone yeah, absolutely. should. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it's a lot like the NBA in-season tournament, right? It's This is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. This is the stupidest thing ever. Well, if we win it, it's we're hanging a banner. Give me the T-shirt. I want the hat. <laughs> but if we lose, it's stupid. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same. It's a lot like that. It, it, it's If Florida State comes out and plays well, then you're going to claim it, and it matters. And if not, then it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter i think i think the way this likely goes is like john said one team has like a 95 percent blue chip rate because kirby smart's been stacking stupid classes for years and florida state kind of microwaved the program and then 
managed to build it quickly and and ahead of schedule. Um, presumably, most of your top end guys decide to sit out, and and um, you know it's just hey guys, let's go win us a football game, and then you kind of find out what the guts of your team are. How how much of an ability do you have to uh, step up and fight? And sure, maybe that's not enough because they're faster or whatever. But you know, you'd like to just see the fight from the team. I, I do think from a public perception standpoint, not, not that it will make a huge effect, but I think it's kind of a lose-lose either way where if you win this game, then it's about the fact that Georgia didn't have anybody um, you know, playing. And um, if, if Florida State ends up losing, well, then everyone says they're the team that didn't deserve to get in and all these sort of things, which just isn't the reality because we know who's going to be playing and who's not. Um, so I don't think that's going to have a huge effect, but that's just one thing where it's like, I, I don't, I don't really know how you come out of this game, at least from the general public perception, thinking it's a win. I think inside, you know, the people who follow this team very closely, the, the people who are diehard fans, they'll, they'll get a peek into the future and that will be the biggest positive for them. Well, isn't there like a 17 team parlay that lands Florida state as like the national champion and one of like the nine different polls out there or something like isn't there some weird mechanism i saw that on twitter there's some weird yeah. if you can hit a 15 leg parlay you're the national champ which i i would like that to be all champions each team at the beginning of the year lays out like a bowl game parlay and if you hit it you get a trophy that'd be great i, I think that'd be fantastic for the sport yeah I, be, I think everyone would be very interested in it I mean, you might as well what's more what's more what's more money in the program so why not exactly uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what this team looks like, what the mechanics of this looks like. Uh, you know, if you were out there saying decline it, I thought John made the right point. It's you, You're going to clone it. You, you take the practices, you take the reps, the ability to to mesh guys together, the chances to grow. Uh, you know, it's it's something that Florida doesn't have. Yeah, it, right? I, I do think <laughs> I, I kind of like the situation where they go through all the motions and then take 80 knees. Um, I think that would be really <laughs> That'd be really just a big middle <laughs> finger to to ESPN, um, and, and I'd enjoy that. Uh, yeah, that that would be my ideal scenario. Just eighty knees, you know. Maybe you take a safety. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do get interesting, get creative, do some fun stuff. Uh, I I I would love I love the pettiness of all of it. I just I live for college football petty. No one does petty like college football, and it's just so perfect. Um, any other final thoughts? I know we're coming up here on the uh, holiday season where it gets a little harder to do episodes. We're here in the off season. So is there anything, and I'll go around the horn in, in the kind of the order that I've got you here. So Jordan, any final thoughts before we sign off on, on what uh, Florida State fans should know, think about, care about, uh, a no going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I just think the biggest thing right now is uh, National Signing Day, December 20th. And uh, that's going to be a big deal, you know, whether they're able to flip Jeremiah Smith, but mostly just hold on to that number three class. I think the program has been dying for some positive momentum. And certainly we don't want to see, you know, KJ flip or Armando flip back to Miami or anything like that. So to me, that's kind of where the program's focus is right now. Uh, it's where all the fan bases focus should be right now. And I think if they were able to land a top five class, even with all the drama that we've seen throughout the season, not just being left at the playoff, it would show that, Florida State can compete uh, and recruit at the highest level. And just, Brian, to your point about crazy pettiness that happens in college football, I was on the Zoom call in the Orange Bowl at 5 o'clock Sunday with Kirby and uh, Coach Norvell, and I had never seen two guys that didn't want to be in a place more than those two. Just <laughs> the looks on their faces and 
just how both angry they were. And they were professionals and they went through the motions and talked to the media and were cordial and respectful. But there's a picture that circulates on Twitter of both of them, the screenshot of them trying to answer questions. And it is you, a picture tells a thousand words in that situation. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, two guys who had no interest in being there. Uh, ben, one your final uh, your final note before we sign off. I I really want to see them take eighty knees. I can't emphasize that. <laughs> It'd just be really funny or punt every first down. You know, some I I again like if, if not, it's not going to happen. Obviously, but if they were to do it, I'd love to see how creative a guy like Mike could get with the pettiness and see all the different things that they could try and do. Uh, just just to you know give give the finger to ESPN um beyond that I I, I want to keep a keen eye on the transfer portal seeing how the quarterback situation plays out I know it's not going to happen my dream is always Riley Leonard um that's disappointing that that was almost instantly <laughs> not uh not not Florida State but you know DJU Cam Ward i really really great options um and you know again like i emphasized earlier the ripple effect of that who maybe if you know if it happens early enough do you have any players who were thinking about jumping to the nfl who maybe they'll stay another year um i don't think that really happens with any of the big guys but maybe some of those guys who are more on the fringe you know you're able to keep that roster better together for next year and then seeing how you know the rest of the portal responds to it if you get that kind of jolt that a quarterback brings um and yeah beyond that you know orange bowl should be interesting good evaluation like we talked about and yeah national signing day jordan jordan hit the nail on the head for that john what about you um we had told everyone that this was going to be a fun season and, and it really, really was, it was very special. Didn't quite end like we wanted it to. Uh, and I'll be mad about that forever, but it was pretty awesome to watch every week them to never lose. And uh, I just want to say, I appreciate the team for that and everything. I know Jordan gets to see them, which is awesome. I appreciate him covering the team for us all year at Tomahawk nation. So I don't really have anything going for other than just, it's an exhibition game with Georgia. I hope the fans enjoy it. I hope the players enjoy it. I hope nobody gets hurt. And uh, we move on to next season. Yeah, I think we we tried to touch on a lot of that last week and, and a lot of the, uh, I guess, licking to the wounds and, and feeling uh, angry and upset through it. But, uh, yeah, your point's right. It's appreciating this team for what they were, one we'll, we'll remember uh for a very 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 long time and yeah you have to give every right to be pissed about it till the last to your last breath there too john um <laughs> i mean it's a 13 and 0 team and it, it, we talked about it like you said we talked about it all year this is a team that was going to be fun we had to sit here and nitpick them for three and a half months and at the end of it we sat here and said man we had to carve every little problem wrong with this team to find a flaw a problem here and there and even when we found them it was still like didn't matter uh the bad matchups the whole nine yards uh, you know i i was picking the louisville was a problem ben you were talking duke was a problem which they were and uh they, they you know they fought through all of it and, and made it work so uh yeah i guess the final note is to leave it there i don't know when the next episode will be um and we're still efforting a couple of interviews so we'll see if something like that maybe comes through uh that we can deliver in the next couple of weeks I can't imagine we're going to do anything that resembles a preview of the Orange Bowl because, quite frankly, you guess who's going to show up and play. I mean, it'll be probably interesting up until game time to see what that actually looks like. Uh, so until then, Jordan, appreciate you jumping on and, and sharing your knowledge around the team with us and, and letting us 
Uh, pick off your article there. Ben's giving you the the soccer clap as he's as he's exiting the field and pulling his jersey off and handing his captain's badge to someone else. Uh, but for Jordan, Ben, Brian, and John, that's a wrap. Oh, my God.